Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sachs' Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher. I'm an associate professor at Clemson University, and I'm also your host for this program. Today, I'm pleased to be talking with Savannah Bailey about NCAA's name, image, and likeness policy. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Savannah. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So before we start, I like to begin each episode um, of the podcast with a little bit of a get to know you portion, since we're all more than our jobs and our positions and titles. So can you tell us a little bit about who you are outside of work? So hobbies, interests, anything that you're reading, watching, or listening to? Um, it's funny, we were just talking about it. So my main hobby, my main area of interest is my dog. Anything that I have outside of work is my dog. So we, uh, we love going on walks, exploring Gainesville right now, meeting all the little lizards <laughs> that scuttle across the sidewalk. Um, currently listening to the, I guess, podcast series about um, Elizabeth Holmes and the Theranos, everything. Yep. So I had watched the HBO documentary on that maybe like a year or two ago. And, you know, just, just diving back into it. I think things like that are completely interesting as someone who was a woman in STEM and then kind of transformed those transferable skills, we'll call them, uh, into something else. But no, that's what I'm doing right now. So have you watched the, I think it's Netflix. Have you seen the show at all yet? I haven't. I haven't. I wanted to listen first before watching it because I feel like I see so much stuff that's like, what's with the accent? What's with the, right. but I mean, if that's what it is, I mean, that, that's the actress's job. So <laughs> no, I haven't watched it yet though. Very good. Um, and I'm, I've listened to the series too, but I'm behind some episodes, so I have to catch up on it. Um, but yeah, the world is a weird place with strange things all, all over. So, um, well, oh, maybe most importantly, what kind of dog do you have and what's his name? <laughs> his name is Sage. I got him right outside it, like right during the pandemic. So I was like, this is Sage. He's clearing the bad vibes, you know, all that good stuff. Um, he's an English setter. So he's a bird dog. He is primarily white with lots of like black and brown spots. He has little freckles. He's a cutie. Oh, um, sweet. Very good. Two years ago. Oh, almost the same age. That's when we got Lily. So yes. we'll have to get yeah. them together at some point. So. <laughs> hey, anytime y'all want that dog, you let me know. All right. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about who you are as a professional and your experience there. So can you talk about your sort of experience and your journey into your current role? And then if there are some people or a key person who really has been a mentor or supported you as you've navigated your career. Yeah. Um, so my current role is at the University of Florida in the UAA, so the University Athletic Association um, primarily, actually exclusively with football. So I serve as the senior director of player relations and I'm the leader of Gator Maid. Um, Gator Maid is our player development department. That's, you know, kind of the key terms around other collegiate spaces. Um, but essentially, instead of just having one former player in a place that provides a mentorship or check-ins or um, figuring out residence and parking and that kind of thing, we have kind of a full team that really looks to holistically develop our young men um, from personal, career, professional, NIL, a little bit of everything um, to get them as prepared as possible. I firmly work from the, the mindset that it's not life after football. It's, you know, what can you do that empowers you for a lifetime? Because um, if you use football correctly, it's a platform. It's just another tool. Um, it's what you do, not who you are. 
So it's, it's really kind of encouraging some of those things. And when you talk about student affairs, this is literally a mini student affairs department that's specific for football and how you engage them in those things and that growth and development. Um, but got started doing a similar program, Paul Journey at Clemson, um, where I met you, <laughs> right? Thank so um, got hired halfway through my first year of grad school um, and had worked with Jeff Davis, who has definitely been a mentor in that space, um, just kind of learning a lot about player development and more importantly on the other side, because I think I've got a lot of that student affairs tie-in for how I develop students, right? From that challenge and support models and all those other things. But um, he taught me a lot about development from a financial standpoint, about stewardship, about kind of politics and those kind of things that, you know, jumping into athletics, I had no idea, um, but he helped me in growth and navigation of those spaces. And that's what I'm definitely applying right now as I'm new in this role. This is a brand new staff. It's a whole new department, whole new idea for the folks here at Florida. So um, definitely using some of that right now. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, let's let's shift to name, image, image and likeness. Um, yeah. Can you just give an overview of what it is, why it is, whatever you think it would be good for listeners to know? Yeah, sure. So if you hear me, anybody else talk about NIL, so that's your name, image, and likeness, like you said, um, probably what, July 1 of 2021 is when it formally passed that athletes, student athletes, or scholar athletes, as I prefer to say, uh, can benefit off of their name, image, and likeness. So essentially, being able to sell things with their name, image, or likeness. So that might be a video game character, that might be a t-shirt, that might be their own line, whatever that is. Because formerly the NCAA had policies in place where athletes could not benefit from such things because it could snowball into extra benefits and other things like that, really creating a divide in recruiting opportunities and other things for schools. Um, but I think now it's just kind of one of those times of extra entrepreneurship. And, and I know that's definitely a big thing with my generation. So even seeing this generation look through and what are those opportunities and, and kind of the, the push for self-branding, I think it was only a matter of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, this has been a discussion for since the dawn of time, I think for sports <laughs> of when you have the amateurism debate and everything else. So um, if you ever want to know about any of that stuff, it's, it's quite extensive in the background for how laws and policies get regulated through collegiate sports, but this is just kind of the newest one and it's taken, taken over, taken over the country, taken over most topics and talking points and recruiting and everything else. So um, it's a huge part of my life right now. All right. So you would have been at Clemson when it originally sort of rolled out and when the conversation really it became clear this was something that was going to happen. And now being at a new institution, what are some things that you've seen similar or different? And it's weird because you were at each place at a different time in the process, but what are, what are some observations you have about maybe how different institutions are navigating it? I would say like the first part to, to understand from a policy standpoint is state laws regulate things differently. And the NCAA kind of wiped their hands of it saying, whatever your state policy is, is what we're gonna follow. Mm -hmm. So different states are different advantageous points in their NIL policies. Um, for example, the Alabama just kind of changed theirs to where it's a lot more open um, in terms of who can facilitate deals and how they can have access to those things. Whereas Florida and South Carolina are kind of on very similar planes 
where, for example, no one from our staff, we can't facilitate deals. We can provide education. We can, you know, support things, but we can't say, hey, let me broker these deals for you or anything like that. Um, whereas some other ones can say, hey, let's do group licensure. Let's do this. Let's do that with other corporations and businesses. And we can't do that. So um, a little, a little complicated there. Right. And I think a lot of that will change even in the next couple months. Um, so, so that's a big one. But in terms of like a, a commonality for me is what kind of education are you providing? So for me, it's, you know, that's great that you can benefit off of it, but do you know financial leaders? Do you have a good understanding of what it means to make that kind of money? You know, when you get a 1099, cause you're just a temporary employee for someone or it's very transactional, you know, they don't take taxes out of that. So do you understand how to do that on the back end? And, you know, those small pieces that can really impact someone's life. So I think there's lots and lots of positives, but there's lots and lots of learning to go along with it. And so that's where me and my team kind of come in to make sure those gaps are filled so that it can be as advantageous as possible and not a detriment to our guys later down the line. Um, and then also just the power of branding and how, how do you do personal branding and, and how do you show those things? And, you know, it, it can start at the very basis of identity formation and values and things like that, that all student affairs folks are very familiar with, but maybe in this space in athletics might not be the priority. Well, that's where I like to start. You know, let's, let's go back to, to some basics. Cause if you're trying to sell a brand, well, they're really selling you. So who are you? And it can't just be on the helmet and some shoulder pads and the name on a jersey. There's got to be a little bit more because you're not going to be in that jersey in your licensing. So that kind of stuff. So you, I mean, this probably is pretty much in your wheelhouse or you're, you're learning it with them, I suppose, as it's being rolled out. I think you mentioned this is showing up in recruiting conversations too. Can you talk a little bit about that? Are, are potential players for your program, are they comparing across institutions and states? How knowledgeable are they coming into the conversation with you and, and your department at that level? So I think there's always in recruiting, it's always kind of a hush, hush, secret, secret, secret. You know, everyone wants to keep their secret sauce as close as possible. But, you know, what I find in spaces like this is being as transparent as possible um, because I've had parents and recruits alike come up to me and say, that's the most broken down anyone's explained in IL to me. Mm. Um, because I think a lot of people, a lot of institutions rather, you know, when you're competing for top talent, they would rather say, we got, we'll get you an NIL deal. You'll be set, you know, just using kind of very broad stroke language. Um, whereas I'd rather say, hey, this is the policy of Florida. This is who we partner with and how that works. This is why it's legal. This is where we're going for it to change. Because um, I like to, to keep everyone in the loop. Because let's say you're not joining this team for two more years. You know, you're a 2024 recruit or signee. So, you know, you've got some time and that may look completely different. But I want them to know, hey, what's going on right now? What's the current guy situation? What could yours look like? What are we working on? You know, like right now, next month, me and my staff are going to a conference on NFTs. Did I think that I was going to be doing that? No, but that's become a, a major trend in athletics. And so that's something that I want to make sure I'm as knowledgeable as possible on um, to support them in that. While I can't, you know, facilitate any NFT deals or anything like that, it just makes sense with the connections that we have. For instance, Tim Tebow has a, a foundation, has a company that does NFTs. So in my brain, I'm thinking, okay, well, when, when those gates do open, you know, what does that look like to connect and to go and to go forward? Mm -hmm. So 
there's always that kind of future planning piece. But um, I mean, recruits are asking about it. And I think most ask about, you know, a dollar amount and not necessarily thinking about the holistic picture um, because it's all that they're hearing from a lot of other schools. But I always want to start more of a dialogue about, well, do you have a brand? Are you marketable? How marketable do you think you're going to be as a freshman? Because chances are, <laughs> you know, if you haven't played a down of football here, you know, what are we banking on? What are you asking companies to buy into? Because it better be your character and your personality and those kind of things. Because right now it's just that you could play high school football. And there's a thousand, there's thousands more high school football players than there are college. And there's thousands more college players than there are NFL. So it's always kind of breaking it down like that. And for listeners, what is NFT? <laughs> a non-refundable token, non-fungible. Yeah, the, this is why I'm going to conference on it because, you know, that is not my area of expertise, right? It's just, <laughs> well, you just said that. You're going to a conference, so. That's definitely not. Um, but essentially a digital token that is a one of one. It's almost, and I've kind of explained it as like when you buy art or something, you know, you want the original, you want the one of one. So it could be an image, a GIF or something. Um, but, you know, there's lots of opportunity in athletics for, hey, if that's the, the video capture of a big play and you buy that, that token and it's yours. So it's kind of got this collector's value to it. Um, and, you know, if you know anything about sports culture and fan culture, People love their collegiate sports and they hang on to all kinds of memorabilia, all kinds of stuff. There's game rooms and, you know, man caves and woman caves across the country that's just decked out right. and, and stuff like that. So wonderful. It's, Thank you for that. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Maybe I'll do a follow up episode with you after the conference and you can teach us about oh, that. Oh, yeah. I, I hope to be a lot more well versed. I know very minimal. Um, I could probably uh, listen to like the SNL little rap they did on NFTs. <laughs> that's about it. So I'm definitely admitting my ignorance to those things, but that's why you learn, right? Right. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> and you, you've touched on this, but I'll ask the question because it's on the list in case there's more you want to add. How has the policy affected the experience of athletes in general and in your work specifically, football players, and maybe even because you have players on the team who were there before, and now this is coming out, and then you have players who will be coming in to this culture, what has that looked and felt like for you and, and your players? You're really looking at kind of locker room dynamics, mm -hmm. right? And in the same way that, for instance, um, before, and I always think disability insurance was always kind of the, if you had it, you kept it to yourself kind of thing, um, essentially coverage for you throughout your college career um, that would be based on kind of your stock in the NFL draft. So these are things that aren't decided by the university, but decided by scouts and other brokers and folks like that. So either way is very personal information um, on kind of your projected success. And so I think this sometimes falls into that but it'll, it becomes very public, right? Because insurance policies aren't public information, but you do a commercial for someone, it's, it's out there. You do a post for someone and your teammates follow you, it's out there. Um, so I think there's always the possibility for that to kind of take come into effect, or even as you're saying, kind of the new guys that are coming in to an NIL space versus those that didn't have it before. You know, maybe you've got a guy who's been working on the team, who's done a lot, 
who is now in his senior year and just now starting to get those kind of deals and recognition versus the the five-star freshman who just came in the door and people have high expectations for and want to capitalize on their brand so then maybe they have very similar deals whereas their body of work is very different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i think there's always potential for stuff like that and i think that comes back to kind of the leadership and the values-based things of you know just like anything else because there's going to come to a point where i'm going to say like look all of y'all make more money than me you know does that make does that mean that i can't serve you in some way no <laughs> you know is is a dollar amount the value that you place on your teammate or your ability or someone else's abilities chances are no and i would certainly would hope not no um so i think always kind of contributing into that and focusing on what that means to build team dynamics and and focus on the the personal development sides because otherwise that will overrun and ruin a locker room and ruin some team morale mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You and I have had other conversations about student athlete, scholar athlete. Does this, um, and a lot of this is sort of presupposition or guessing, do you think this is going to further complicate the relationship that some college athletes have with their student experience? Like, does this push the... I don't know, the focus more on the, the athlete part, and maybe you've yeah. seen that already, but what, what do you think about that? I think it could, um, most definitely. So when you think about even laws within different sports and rules and policies within different sports and collegiate spaces. So for instance, basketball, you know, they infamously have the, the one and done, right? It's where you're kind of going to, to have the college experience or to play for a school for a very short amount of time before you can go into the professional leagues. Football um, specifically has three years. So it's, it's a lot longer of a commitment um, versus the, the one and done model. So I think that prompts you to kind of have more of a student experience because of just time in general. You know, to remain on a team, you have to have so many hours and do so many things. So, I mean, either way you are kind of getting a student experience. Is it the student experience that I want for them? No, <laughs> not at all. Um, but I think that's, that's also the challenge that we have of how do you make it worthwhile? How do you provide experiences and opportunities and networks and things that, that can create a college experience? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? What is a college experience anymore? Um, so really, really functioning through that as we have, you know, non-traditional students, whatever group that may be, I think athletes in general are a non-traditional student. Um, and kind of function as such. So, I'm just jotting that down because I don't think I've ever heard it put that way. But that that is yeah. a whole different way of framing um, the experience. When, and again, not necessarily just the institutions where you've been, but I'm sure you're privy to conversations that are happening at the national level. Do you think for the most part, are athletic leaders and coaches, are they generally supportive of NIL? Um, or, you know, what are their reservations or concerns, aside from the fact that this is new and we're having to build something new to accommodate it? Um, what, what sorts of things have you seen in, in conversation? Yeah, and I think... So depending on what division you're in, what your fan base looks like, um, kind of what revenue sport you work with, 
um, the conversation looks a little bit different. If you're a blue blood championship running kind of program, you're not as concerned because then you're like, oh, great. Our fan base loves us. We have plenty of support. It's just a matter of what can we do to execute it to keep up with those that also have strong fan bases and support. Whereas other ones, you might have some teams that are smaller, some teams that are not, um, haven't had championship runs or, you know, a lot of appearances and bowl games and that kind of stuff. And then they're thinking, well, how are we going to ever keep up? And will the gap just become that much wider because now that regulatory process is kind of gone. Um, so it's one of those like who, who cares about football or basketball or whatever the sport is enough to let us be competitive because it can't come directly from the school. The school can provide resources like myself, um, like lawyers, that kind of stuff, but we can't broker the deals. We can't provide the money. So that has to come from supporters at the school and supporters of the sport. And so those that don't have a, a wide base for that are definitely concerned about, well, then how are we ever going to remain in some other kind of way? So there's always talks of, you know, does a conference split up? Do you make your own league? Do you do this? Do you do that? And I think we're years away from that, but I could also see it happening um, sooner rather than later, just because it, I think it could very easily get to a place where the haves and the have-nots from even just a general funding standpoint look really different because now it becomes even greater with support and dollars outside of the university or athletic associations. Mm-hmm. And well, first of all, thank you for giving one of my favorite answers, which I heard as it depends um, <laughs> and, and depends on what happens between now and whatever comes next too. Um, what about things could change? <laughs> right, for sure, for sure. Um, what about the the either current uh, scholar athletes or the incoming? Are they? I mean, I think there's probably an assumption that they're pretty excited about that, but that is really not informed by anything other than suspicion on my part. So, what's their take on it? Does it is it seen as purely positive or is it extra work? I think it is exciting until you break it down for them of how much work it is. Um, so, you know, I like to remind folks of like, what's your, what is your schedule? Like when you plan to do those things, you know, what content do you create on your own to make you marketable? What are, what are those things? Cause the gas station light photo might, might look good to the friends, but what company is out there like, Hey, I want that guy in my car commercial. You know, it's just stuff like that, that you have a, a big difference on the excitement's there, but I think it's immediately met with almost an anxiety of like, okay, but what do I do? And then you think of all the pressures since we're not the ones that are able to help them in some of those deal spaces. Well, who is their team of support? Some of them have great support from parents and from CPAs and legal folks that they're able to hire because of their deals. But let's say that you don't have those kind of deals. Maybe you have smaller ones. Who, who are you relying on and what's their experience? Because that can easily get caught up in its own. You know, there's always the, the examples of folks that before this were sending their stipends home to their parents. Well, what does that dynamic look like now, now that it's significantly more? Um, you know, does that change relationships even further and possibly even more relationships in their life? Um, this is a chance for people to kind of become breadwinners while also having an incredible amount of pressure on them to perform 
to to actually do the the nil deals and promotions and things like that and then also to be a student and then also just to be a regular person to have some time for themselves so it's an incredible amount of pressure that you're asking of a, a potentially 18 year old so um Oh, sorry, I lost my, my place in the script here. Be, well, and part of it is what you're saying, just it is a rethink, you know, to bring in the concept of time that this isn't just going to happen for you. Like you have to be actively engaged in the work. Um, are you seeing, are you seeing any of the, the students and the players you work with doing this really well yet or is it still too new to kind of be able to assess that's a good approach versus this person got in over their head i think there's there's a couple of really good examples um, of guys kind of putting out their own material kind of branding themselves that way i'm a big fan of like whenever a guy designs his own shirt like can i buy it you know can i support you in that and you know just things like that um, but i think the more media training this person decides to do, the more willing they are to kind of put themselves out there. There is an example, there's a guy who is a backup kicker um, at a different institution and ended up kind of quitting to just pursue his kind of online personality stuff and now makes a lot, a lot of money um, doing so. So, you know, he kind of leveraged his ability in his athletic space but then said, oh, wait, I'm actually really good at all these other things. I can do that. Um, so that to me is always empowering because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you stop playing. So even to have that encouragement of, oh, I can develop the skill that can then serve me, whether I do this or that or anything else. Um, so I think that's a that's a big part of it. But there are definitely some guys who who aren't afraid to get out there, aren't afraid to you know, post something real quick or you know, are really intentional about it we have a lot of social media analytics available to them and having one of them ask like, Hey, is this a good time to post something? So we'll pull it up on your app. Like let's, let's look through your stuff and even explaining what resources are available to them to help them in those spaces. Um, so it's some, sometimes just the willingness to learn, sometimes just practice and saying, Hey, are you talking to yourself in the shower? Are you practicing answers? You know, deliver me a pitch right now in 30 seconds go. And you know, they hate it. They hate when you put them on the spot like that, but I would rather do that then, you know, leave you kind of just rambling or, you know, you don't have the eye contact, you don't have the whatever, because whether it be a post or a video or anything else, I want to make sure that whatever it is that you're projecting is, is beneficial on both sides. Like the company wants to hire you again to do other work. And then you also want to do the work yourself and you're, and you're getting better. Um, so that's always my perspective on it. And do you, um, Again, this is speculative, I know, but do you think this could potentially drive majors? Like, will, will there potentially be more student-athletes, scholar-athletes who are thinking, you know what, a business degree or marketing or something related to technology, are you, are you seeing those conversations happen yet, or do you anticipate well, yeah, yeah, I think in general, and being at the University of Florida, so journalism program is huge, communications program is huge, have lots of notable alumni, so even then, that's already a big piece, 
So I'm finding guys that are that are well spoken. It's just a matter of can you speak about what you're being asked to talk about? Because mm-hmm. um, you know, in general, they can maybe talk about football with ease, but can you talk about yourself with ease? And you know, some some of those smaller things of well, let's let's take it a step further. Um, but I do think that it'll have that. And I noticed that even in recruiting, even at prior institution at Clemson, um, you know, when I ask folks, well, what do you what do you plan on studying? What do you want to do? And you know, there's always kind of a pause and they just go, I don't really know. I think I just want to like own my own business. And I said, okay, so entrepreneurship is what you're looking for. These are the things that apply to that. And so even then just opening that door, if that's what you're interested in, you can study it. You can work through those things. You can do communications and branding and marketing and business and finance and all these other things that could position you to be a more um, understanding CEO of your own, of your own brand, of your own company, of whatever that is. And I would highly recommend it. Um, so I think we'll see. Now, personally, what I love to see more people in the science is yes. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to get too many microbiology fellows out of, <laughs> out of this group just yet. Yeah, being the operative word. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm hoping they're like, oh, Savannah's cool. Let, let's, uh, how did she, what did you do? And I always get asked if I was a communications person. And nope, not at all. I was a lab rat. <laughs> wow. So, We've talked about like from the the student and the player perspective, what sorts of training have you been going through and what sorts of training and opportunities have been provided to coaches and athletic directors? Because everybody's getting questions about this. So what's that side of it look like? You know, and that's another thing that kind of goes back to the, everyone wants to have an edge um, against who they're recruiting against. and it's one of those things that like not a lot of opportunities exist in that professional development, professional growth. There are some conferences that are, that are available and you can attend and you can go. And, but so much of it is what can you figure out first? Um, It's not a whole, whole lot of collaborative work in that space, particularly in football. I'll speak from, from what I have. Um, You would think that player development, you know, it'd be like student affairs across the board, but everyone's just kind of facing different things with their students. You know, um, I used to get frustrated when I'd get asked about my job and they're like, well, how do you get anyone there? And I said, what do you mean? (laughs) And I was finding like they were just picking inopportune times or things like that, that I thought I wanted to have a discussion about what are your students learning? What assessments are you using? And they're talking about, you know, time management and calendars. And, you know, that wasn't the same, the same structure that I was hoping for. So even then it's, how much are you willing to share or who's sharing what? So sometimes you have to go outside of, or for me, like right now, my two student workers are um, in the law school at Florida because that's what I'm focusing on. I said, great, I want you guys to do a lot of benchmarking work. I want you to look at a lot of policies. I want you to do a lot of NIL stuff um, so that I can be as informed as possible. I want you to be able to make one pagers for the coaching staff and for anyone else who can answer questions about Florida state laws versus other state laws. Um, so for me, it's kind of using your resources to see what you got, but for folks that don't have that access to, to law students on their campus or something, I don't know what they're doing. Um, and probably won't know what they're doing unless a, another recruit or, you know, someone just so happens to be a friend, in another institution asked me a question because it's such a new space for a lot of folks. But then also no one's wanting to give up any secrets. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. and not even secrets. No one just wants to give up any best practices. It's sure. my hope to one day be able to, 
host a conference specifically for what I do with football folks in the room and to talk through best practices. Because if it serves mine, it probably serves your students the same. And I'd rather just people kind of get a leg up because then it's really one of those recruiting competition pieces really comes down to, well, what kind of people do you have? Do you have people who are innovative and who connect with the students, yes or no? Because anyone can copy and paste a program or copy and paste a, a presentation or whatever else. So I'm not that worried about that piece, whereas I think others might be. Gotcha. Yeah. What, so if, if someone's listening to this and they wanna learn more about NIL, I know there's stuff on the NCAA website, um, yep. but do you have recommendations of places to go for information? Not necessarily. <laughs> um, I think sometimes, uh, and you know what? I don't have any social media accounts other than a LinkedIn. Uh, so this sounds kind of funny coming from me, but follow different collegiate athletes on Twitter on those kind of things because they will talk about it. Um, that's where you're going to see the promotions and you can follow the rabbit trail of, you know, whatever that looks like into other companies, other posts, other folks, um, for what they're doing. Uh, we also have a independent, um, licensing piece department because we're a separate, um, athletic association from the university. So we have Gator sports properties, which does a lot of that other kind of licensing and, and partnerships and that kind of stuff. So I learn a lot from that space. You know, what is it from a university standpoint or from an athletic department standpoint that people are connecting with and how will that maybe future shape into something else? Think of the brand power of the school, um, do a lot, a lot of research into other schools. Um, so for example, the institution that I'm at, we're a Jordan brand, which is, you know, Michael Jordan, top of like a Nike elite premier kind of thing for gear. So I'm asking other, other Jordan schools, like, Hey, what does your partnership with Jordan look like? Uh, and you know, things like that. So it's always that, that backing and the understanding. So it's a lot of digging, uh, more than, more than an outright anything. Cause again, everyone is so, um, close to the belt with what they have. Um, but for me, it's, if you want to learn more, that's where you do it in Twitter spaces of the guys that are getting deals that are doing the promotions that are kind of sharing their thoughts here and there. Um, yeah, you learn plenty. You learn plenty that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting. It goes back to something you said earlier about trying to keep things private, but it's playing out in a public sphere. And um, there are places to watch and learn, to your point. So, excellent. Well, this has been great. I mean, this is, I feel like we need to have another follow up and you know, three or four years and say, so what's it look like now? But oh. <laughs> I feel like you're going to like play little clips of this and be like, remember when you said that? <laughs> right. We'll just do that. We'll go through this episode point by point. Um, we'll just laugh. You're like, ha, how ridiculous. <laughs> well, are there other things right now that I haven't asked about or suggestions you have for people who are curious? Yeah, I would say the um, Johnson versus the NCAA case, which is going on right now. And so that's the, the push to be named into an employee versus a student athlete. Um, so I, I would encourage anyone to kind of keep up with that, because if that goes through, 
um, then everything we just talked about is probably for not because then the whole space will change, um, right? Because then you're, you're looking at employees and I think that has its, its benefits and I think it also has its detriments to the students. Um, when you're talking about being a full-fledged employee, great. Well, does that mean that now anything that I provide is at a fee? Does it mean their, their medical costs and their rehab that they would traditionally have unlimited access to work like our kind of healthcare plans where I get eight visits to PT you know, within a certain amount of time, you know, if they, if that's the case, then they'll be paying a lot or maybe do they have a copay now? And, you know, all that kind of stuff for the resources that they once had access to. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot of that to, to take into consideration and think about. And if you ever just want to know kind of in general, the, the history of amateurism in sports and where, why I use the term scholar athlete versus student athlete and things like that. I mean, there's plenty out there that that is always up for debate. And I think it's always been a special case for these students um, that just so happen to be talented enough to, to play at this level. Um, I mean, it, granted it's been earned and everything else, but it's it creates a lot of complications that I don't think people um, quite understand or, or would think about. Um, yeah. I think another one would be tax implications when we start into that we'll reach a point where you know if your earning is so much above your nil grade can we even offer those people scholarships anymore are they accessible to pell grants can their parents claim them as dependents anymore you know it, it becomes a complicated thing for your family relationships your relationship with the school your relationship with the program everything so it's all um, out there just <laughs> a lot <laughs> well and i was just going to say when you started this work did you imagine that you would need to be a law expert and a tax expert and a marketing expert, or at least have the knowledge to connect people to those resources. Not a chance. My first role, my first role was like life skills and community service. So I was like, great, we're going to get out and we're going to do some good work. Uh, we're going to learn about servant leadership. We're going to learn about volunteerism and try to be, you know, better and sustainable in our efforts. I'm going to teach you how to public speak and some financial literacy, some budgeting, you know, and here we are talking about like laws and cases and NFTs that I don't even know about yet yeah. uh, and all the, all the things, right? So it, it just kind of really changes. And I think this is a real adapt or die <laughs> mm -hmm. kind of area. Mm -hmm. um, so. All right. Well, I really appreciate you. Um, and I'm glad that we were able to schedule this because I'm going out on a limb. And if I had thought of this, you know, maybe in the fall semester, you might have said, mm, not ideal timing, Michelle. <laughs> uh, it would probably be on a plane or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we work solid 80 hour weeks. Through yeah. and through. We get we get Easter and the Fourth of July, so those are major holidays. As long as there's something, so you yeah, something to break every now and then. There you go. Well, okay. So transitioning away from the topic, and your answer to this can be professional, it can be personal. What is something that's bringing you joy right now? Um, I think gaining the trust of my students here is like the the reason that you do anything you know I, I would argue that most people in student affairs you have one interaction with the student and then all of the the stuff that makes you angry in your day-to-day -day just kind of dissipates right because mm -hmm. it's what you're here for yeah. um at least it's what I would hope anyone in these roles is, is really here for so I think just letting them get to know me 
getting to know them, you know, with a brand new staff, everyone's kind of trying to get, get in their heads and, and figure out who they are and, and show who they are. So I've been really patient with that process and I'm starting to get a little bit more and more and, um, you know, folks before the staff weren't even kind of around the facility or around the building. Uh, in fact, in my office, I didn't have a couch. So I brought one from home because I said, I need somewhere for people to sit. I'm used to people like sleeping in my office, <laughs> uh, you know, and, uh, and they're not even up here. Yeah. So, you know, just kind of creating that different space and earning that trust is the, is the best part of my day for sure. I love that. Well, yeah. I thank you so much. I, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. I enjoyed our conversation today. Um, and I, I just appreciate you sharing your thoughts. So thank you again. Of course. Happy to do it. Happy to answer any questions. All right. Well, you probably hear from me again about something else. So love it. <laughs> Today's Essay Today podcast is brought to you by SAXA, and we thank them for their support. Additionally, the show would not be possible without my producer, Jen Lowe, at the University of South Florida. As always, thank you for your support and collaboration, Jen. And as we close, I'll leave you with a quote. And today I have a Japanese proverb. The tiger dies and leaves its skin. A person dies and leaves their name. So thanks to each of you for listening. My name is Michelle Botcher. It's been a pleasure to host this episode. Take care, everyone, and have a beautiful day. <laughs>